It's time to feel the rage. Welcome to Film Rage, where we talk movies. Until the theaters open their doors for business again, we will be talking streaming and also some of our favorite movies of all time. Directors and actors, beware, as you still cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim joining us via walk-around phone from his palatial estate. Hello, Jim. Hey, hey. And a quick shout-out to Murray, who's still on hiatus until further notice. But, with the introductions out of the way now, let's rage on! Okay, so as usual, we've got a pretty jam-packed episode today. We're going to talk about South by Southwest and their online shorts program. We're going to talk about one movie that we streamed. Then we're going to talk about... Um, the doubted, the undoubted, and the mesmerized list. We're going to talk about our film genre faves for documentaries and open rage, rage or dare, and then close them down. Cool. Sounds like another jam-packed show. So without, without further ado, let's get on with it. All right. Let's, uh, what do you think, uh, Lost Girls? Let's just jump in with Lost Girls. We'll talk about South by Southwest in a minute. All right. So Lost Girls. Uh, well, Lost Girls was okay. It was directed by Liz Garbus. Um, she's actually a documentary filmmaking or making her first feature. Uh, it was based on a true story about the murders of sex workers whose remains were dumped in Oak Beach on Long Island. Um, it was okay. And Amy Ryan was really good as the mother and main character of this story. Oh. Um, there were a couple things that didn't work for me. Um, mainly Kevin Corrigan's character of the neighbor seemed a little contrived. Um, I, Mm. I actually don't believe this person existed. I don't know for a fact. Um, but it was just a little too convenient. And to be honest, I didn't really think he was even necessary to drive the film forward. So it was kind of, eh. So because of that and a few other things, um, overall it was a meh. I I actually gave it a mondo, and uh, probably for different reasons. But I would kind of agree with you, specifically, you know, about some of the should I call them additional characters, or maybe just the outlined cast that's in there. But you know, one thing I I was super surprised with Gabriel Burns. Like I haven't seen him in a while. He's so good. It was good. like a really pleasant. It was such a pleasant surprise, right? Like he just. Um, and, and actually, what made me want to get you to see this movie, because we talk a lot about um, films where it's based on real life, yep. right? And and nine times out of ten, you usually come back, especially if they don't do it really well, in your opinion, uh, you'll come back and you'll go, okay, I wasn't buying the rage here. People were not angry enough in this movie, and they should have made I, I me I do that a lot, yeah. This, this movie should have made me angrier. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, if this one, if this, if she didn't drive the bus, if Amy Ryan did not drive this bus to make you feel her her rage, I don't know what movie could. She did, like you said, she did such a she, great job. She was, she was outstanding, and there's there's no denying that. I just uh, there are just a couple things in it that for some, you know how I am. Something gets in, you know, under my skin a little bit, and I just I just can't let it go. Um, you can't enjoy the movie. <laughs> well. I try, but sometimes you're right. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, okay, so it was. Which, don't get me wrong. It, don't get me wrong. It was good. I, I I did like the movie, but there are a couple of things that I just couldn't go mondo on it. Um, but Amy Ryan, that performance was definitely mondo. She she really drove the the story. It was it was fantastic performance from her. I I have to laugh at you though because you'll see a movie that, in all honesty, the movie was a rage, and we've even had this in the past. And you'll get it from rage to mess because of one actor and say, yeah, but this actor was so good, it had to move it to a man. I'm like, no, the movie was still terrible. <laughs> but on, on these men, to bring it to a mondo for you, it's like, no, it's not going to happen. She, I was so, I was so enthralled with her character. Like, I thought the director did an amazing job of showing these women. And from their perspective, that was the one, that was the thing that caught me so into the movie. Was that? Oh yeah, it was. It was from the mother's perspective. It was totally from the mother's perspective, and that was that was that was pretty unique. Uh, Usually, you know, you get a movie like that; it's all about the cops and the investigation. And what in this case, I guess there wouldn't be much of a movie because what investigation? But but, yeah, uh, yeah. I I think I think if um, because 
Uh, Liz, obviously, it's a woman director. She had the mom's uh, interest at heart when she made this. Yeah. And I have a feeling, though, that if if it wouldn't have been a woman, it wouldn't have had the same punch, for my opinion, for how strongly they, they looked at these mothers in this. Oh, I can definitely get on board with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, for this, this was a mondo for me. I fully enjoyed her and her journey. And it made, it kind of changed my perspective a little bit. Like, for me, a big thing, you know, is character. And I think she, her character drove me to, to love this movie. And, and just the fact that she was, you know, was she the perfect mother? No. She's not. Oh, no, not even close. Because. <laughs> but you know, don't tell don't tell me my, my daughter isn't valued, right? And and it, and I think to move this to the politic, political realm before we maybe wrap this this movie up is um, the murdered Indigenous women that that we've been living with here in Canada for a long time, and yeah. um, and they felt like second class citizens, and, and they're finally getting their their uh, light of day. So this kind of movie can put that. Oh, anything that um, can shine a spotlight. Shine a light on yep, that, right? Absolutely. Right? It doesn't, everybody's got value. It doesn't matter whether or not they're um, considered a sex worker. And that was, you know, one of the things from the movie too, right? Where she said, stop calling my daughter a, a prostitute. prostitute. Yeah. She was a person, right? Like, it's like, no, she's not a second class person. She's still my daughter and she, and she loved her, right? So, yeah, I was, I was kind of crying a lot through this movie. I, I have two daughters of my own. Yeah. It, it really spoke to that, me a lot. Absolutely. So. You probably had a little different perspective than me, but um, yeah, no, as I say, I, I like well, the movie. So I liked a lot of the performance, <laughs> <laughs> but overall it was, it was still a man for me. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. Uh, okay. So let's well, let's, let's jump. talk about South by Southwest. Yeah. Go ahead. So, all right. Well, uh, so what I did actually, or, or, was... actually, or do you want me to go first? I don't really care. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go first just because then, you know. Yeah, I, sure. Then, what the hell? Because I, I got to jump a couple of screens here to get our next music in for our next uh, uh, <laughs> segment. So I'll go first. Um, so Sounds here good. I'm going to do uh, I'm going to do my top seven and then I'm going to do my bottom three. My bottom three won't take very long because I really don't want to talk about them much unless you have something to say. Yep. Um, yep. here are my top seven shorts from the South by Southwest, uh, film festival this year, which unfortunately they had to put these online instead of showing them, you know, live in the theater for obvious reasons. Um, at number seven, actually one of the, uh, Texas high school shorts actually made my top seven, which good on them. Um, yeah. I, uh, it is chill, um, uh, directed by Katie Gibson. Um, it's a, it's funny little, uh. It's got a funny little payoff at the end of it that makes it really worth watching. Um, number six, uh, Face to Face Time, directed by Izzy Schill, uh, was part of their narrative section. Um, it's got a really uh, abrupt ending that was also rather humorous. Um, my number five would be Basic, um, directed by- Wait, so we're sorry, back up. Yes. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I was going to say, make sure that, let, let us know, like that one is under the narrative section, right? Yeah, it was under so the narrative they, section. Yeah, so just for everybody listening, there was they were sectioned by animated, documentary, yep. midnight, yep. narrative, made in Texas, Texas high school. So yep. um, the last one we said was narrative. What's the next one that you're doing? Uh, next one is basic, which is also from narrative section. Um, it involved looking at pictures on a walk around phone on something called Instagram, whatever that is. Um, it was funny. <laughs> um, number four. Mizuko, directed by Kira Dane and Caitlin Rabello. Uh, it is from the documentary section. Um, it's about a woman's journey through a difficult time using a combination of live action and animation. Um, it was just a very well-made film. Really liked it. Um, my number three short would be A Bold Experiment, directed by Alex Milan and Andrew Miller, uh, also a documentary. Um, about a dude that built a very expensive artificial bat cave. Uh, it was really interesting stuff. Uh, my number, <laughs> my number two um, was "I'm Happy, I Promise," directed by Mimi Cave, uh, part of the narrative section. Um, it's the funniest short of all of them, so it had to rank high on my list. Uh, I laughed a lot in this short. Uh, pretty good <laughs> stuff. Um, and uh, number one for me was uh, the one that kind of affected me more than any other. The, the rest of them. Um, uh, Broken Orchestra, directed by Charlie, uh, sorry, Charlie Terrell, um, documentary section. Um, 
about the movement that ended up in repairing broken instruments for schools in Philadelphia. Um, the documentary was uniquely shot and is the short from this festival that really made me feel something more than anything else. So that is my number one. Now let's just quickly buzz through my bottom three because they all sucked and I really didn't want to talk about them much. Um, <laughs> the third worst thing I saw was Stucco. It was just a dumb horror short. Didn't like it. Number two was Chicken of the Dead. It was a dumb animated short. I did not like it. And number one, the worst short of all of them was Modern Horror. It was just dumb. Um, I don't know if I was supposed to sympathize or hate the subject. I, I really don't know. And that is uh, the South by Southwest shorts in uh, in a pinch here, Jim. Any comments? So, or do you want to... Oh yeah, I've got lots of comments. Excellent. We've got some. We've got some very contradictive uh, beliefs here. Actually, so uh, uh, I love it. I love it when that happens. So, um, sorry. What was that last one you said that you didn't? That was your your worst. That you the didn't worst like? was modern horror. Oh, it's so bad. Modern. What section was that in? Uh, oh, I believe it was in. Uh, it might have been in documentary. Actually, it might have been in midnight. I'm sorry. I, sh I didn't write them down for my. You don't remember? Three. No, that's okay. No worries. People. So, um, people to find this. All you gotta do. It was on what? Monkey chimp or monkey? What was it called? Chimp. Uh, Male chimp. Male chimp. Thank you. So who Male chimp. But if you just search South by Southwest. Yeah, just search South by internet, Southwest shorts in, uh, 2020. Um, it'll get, bring you and, right to. And it. you'll be able to find it. And you can watch them all. There's like 50, yeah, 57 or 58 of them, and yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Did you did you end up getting to see them all? I watched every single one of them. Yeah, so did I. Um, so and, actually, mo and modern horror is, is in documentary. Ah, there you go. Um, so for me, uh, I didn't hate really any of them. I tried to look at each one from the artist's perspective mm -hmm. because, like, I've screened enough shorts in my day. Uh, for for listeners that may may not know, I've I've worked uh, screening shorts for probably the last 10 years. And on average, I probably watch about a thousand, upwards of a thousand shorts a year. So I get to see a lot of shorts. It's kind of one of my um, uh, favorite uh, type of films, just because I, lo I love it if a director can get their point across in a, in a very short perspective and develop the characters enough and get in and out with it. So it's funny because some of the things you put in Rage <laughs> were actually in my top. And some of the ones that you had in your top were in my rage. So it was kind of funny because for me, obviously, I didn't full, full on rage off any of these dots. I tried to look at it from an artistic uh, standpoint and why they were potentially in the, in the festival. Uh, but, but I will, I will go through my, um, uh, you know what? I'm going to go through my work, my least favorite first. Uh, so my least favorite yep. was the voice in your head. Okay. Uh, I, I found it kind of the most annoying. It was in the narrative section. Mm -hmm. um, saw. Hello? Are you there, Jim? Here. Okay. Hold on. Can you hear me? I can Perfect. hear you Sorry. now. We're good. Awesome. Awesome. So Soft, uh, which was in the... Um, that was in the narrative too. Hey, I did the same thing as you. I didn't put it down. And actually, one of my least favorite was 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 basic. I didn't like it. <laughs> oh, really? I like basic. <laughs> yeah, it was one. Of, it was one of my least favorites. Um, Interesting. Uh, but now for my for my top seven, um, I just thought it was too basic. <laughs> it was <laughs> it very basic. It didn't get fully developed for me. It made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, probably. There you go. Well, there were some things that I like. There were some of the shorts in there that I know most people would have laughed at, and maybe it was just the mood I was in at the time. I didn't find them as funny as I probably could have, uh, or I didn't find they were as fleshed out as I was hoping to be. Um, honorable mention, though, for my top uh, seven, so I did right. have one extra. All right. Was talk outside, and that was a made in Texas. Okay. So this is the one where they're in the bar and they're about to have a fight. And uh, oh. goes, let's take this outside. Yeah, really? <laughs> and oh. then they, they go, this is not the right place. If I had a bottom well, five, the, it would have made that. Yeah, so it's true. It's funny because for me, it was like after about the first two things, and I was like, okay, I'm not really digging this. And then the way they ended it to me was actually good. So it actually wrapped it up, and I actually did really enjoy the ending. Uh, so no, my number seven is Feel Wild. 
Uh, it's a narrative. Um, I found it very funny, emotional, real life. Loved it. Uh, Asian American uh, supermarket guy. Dialogue was amazing. Uh, and then I made a special note. He thought masturbating uh, would bring so much emotion. <laughs> yeah, he, he, uh, he, he bought the most expensive Civic, though. That was from that. You don't even recognize it. <laughs> Jim, are you there? I'm not hearing you again. We seem to have lost Jim temporarily. Okay, we are back and we've got Jim back on the phone. Hey, so, I believe, yes, I can hear you just fine, my friend. So, uh, let's get awesome. back to it. Um, I believe we were uh, going over your number six when you kind of cut out. Awesome. All right. So, my number six was out of Made in Texas. Yep. Uh, it was the Paint Wizard. He was a doc and it was a transgender painter. Almost, uh, almost as, made my top seven. Yeah, there you go. It could have been your uh, honorable mention. It could have been. Uh, uh, hand in Hand was my number five. It was a midnight. Uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Two Tribes. Loved it. Uh, nice shorts and to the point. Uh, the moral of the story, never shake hands as people are gross. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one was all right. <laughs> people are uh, gross. Yeah, people are gross, especially right now. Yes. Uh, Danny's Girl. Uh, wow, what a surprise. I loved everything about this movie. Uh, this film was so fucked up. Uh, I, it, it was uh, super mondo for me. Fair enough. Uh, number three is Mizuko, which you already talked about. Yeah, I love uh, Mizuko. Uh, Japanese Buddhist film, mixed media doc. Uh, the water in the room that dies as a, as a Japanese word. Like it just kind of, it, it was such a well done doc. No, it really was. So creatively the, done. Yeah, the, um, the creativity is what really did it for me. And, and it was just so well made. <laughs> and one that made your rage, but that actually made my top two was Chicken of the Dead. It was so awful. <laughs> it was so awesome. Okay, so you want to hear my write-up on it? Uh, if it's a maybe, eat it, baby. <laughs> Vegan nightmare. But for me, it's may we. <laughs> Maybe that's why you hate it so much, because you're a vegan. <laughs> Maybe. I think I hated it because I mean, it, it didn't even make me smile, so. Uh, I was laughing all the way through it. Uh, to each their own. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is what, you know what? This is what's great about shorts, right? Absolutely. That, they, um, they either hit it, you or they don't. They've got, they don't have much time to do it, so. Yeah. And, and speak, you know, your attitude, your mentality when you're watching it can be a whole different thing, right? Yep. And my number one. Uh, just hold on. It was a jury prize for um, Made in Texas. Right. It's a doc, a portrait of a, a girl holding on to stuff, especially sheep. Uh, um, oh, really? Sheep riding. Yeah, a future sheep the riding. Mutton, the mutton busting one? <laughs> yep. Uh, the, uh, a future sheep riding, cancer kicking, spy of the future. Love this movie so much, and I cried literally all the way through it. I thought that uh, they really brought that little girl's point across. I couldn't believe a six-year-old was riding a sheep like that. Too. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so that's what uh, that's what mutton busting is, you know. The, the, yeah. Get 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 some youngins on uh, riding some sheep, and they got to stay on for a certain amount of time. It's kind of like uh, you know bull riding, but with sheep. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure you're you're anti that because, uh, but to me, like. What was good about it is that she decided that that wasn't right for her, right? So yeah. in that respect, she she lived in that culture, and she was like, you know what, Mutton Ryan's not for me. So, yeah. but but you know, she had no. This is a six year old who who pretty much spent her whole life she, in. Uh, I will I will say that hospital. she was pretty cool. There's no question of that. Yeah, I just yeah, I don't she's know. Inspiring man, a six year old that had her own mind. Like yeah. me, it was like yeah, it was, if, I if, get it. It's. It's like if you make a, a doc about, hey, I love to uh, torture dogs. Well, no one's going to really like that. But if at the end of the movie, the person goes through redemption, you're all about redemption. You love redemption. I do baby. love redemption. <laughs> so, yeah, that was number one for me. I, it, and it was one of the last ones I saw. And I was just like, wow, none of them have stuck me with me, but with one that that did. So, South by Southwest, I think you did a great, um, did a great job. I think uh, there was nothing I hated. Is what I would say. I think some I felt were weaker than others, but kudos. Actually, I'm glad they shared it yeah, online. Glad they shared it online, and 
Well, uh, I, as I say, the worst anything really got from me was a, a meh, other than the, my bottom three I really didn't like, but it's not like I had a yeah. long list of stuff that could have gone on that list. Um, really yeah. worth checking out, and just to let you know one more time, um, you want to go to MailChimp.com forward slash presents forward slash SXSW, and that'll get you right to the site. Enjoy the week too. Cause I think it's it's not there forever, right? Like it's just um, they're obviously going to be there for a certain period of time. So I'm, I'm giving you a big shrug. I'm giving you a big shrug of the shoulders right now because who knows how long it's going to be up. So yeah, um, take advantage of it while you can. Yeah, better sooner than later for sure. All right, well, sir. All right. Well, you know what time it is now. It's time to talk about submissions to the doubted, undoubted, and mesmerized list. It so, is indeed. I uh, I have one for you. I think um, I think you're gonna love this one because uh, I know he's one of your faves of all time. So all right. I can't see him Lay not making me. the mesmerized list. Mr. Sid Haig, who passed away not too long ago. Yeah, Sid Haig. That's uh, that's what's known as a no-brainer, my friend. Um, if you have any, <laughs> if you have any doubts, um, just watch the movie Little Big Top, where he plays a clown named Seymour. Um, when, oh God! When Sid is on the screen, I am paying attention. Uh, as I say, I wish I, I wish he was still around because man, he was fantastic. Yeah. Love Sid Haig. So yeah, no, absolutely now, wasn't, mesmerized. Wasn't he his last movie that crappy? Um, movie by your favorite guy zombie yeah three from hell it was excellent what are you talking about <laughs> so terrible directed by rob zombie <laughs> a fine well, you know fine it's... filmmaker i might add well that was a hard race but um actually, yeah <laughs> whatever and that was the last one at least i've seen him in. i guess you know he was in a movie called hanukkah and then there's yeah, a movie still coming i gotta out watch that yeah he's now. got some, i think there's something else that hasn't come out yet so who knows but but yeah, no, Sid Haig is totally mesmerized. Um, just because actually uh, when I was kind of, I knew that you were going to nominate Sid Haig in advance. And I actually, uh, because it kind of brought little Big Top to, back to me. And, uh, you know, he played a clown named Seymour. All of a sudden I'm like, you know who we haven't talked about as for mesmerized is Mr. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, would, oh, he would yeah. He would be uh, undoubted if it wasn't for The Hunger Games being his last films. But... Um, he's got to at least make the mesmerized list, right? Yeah, I would. I would agree. Well, see, I didn't hate the Hunger Games franchise, so I think the last one was a mess. So I mean, if, well, if and, got and, and the rage, last the last one was kind of a two parter, right? So I think he got yep. back to back mess. Unless you count them as one, then we might sneak them in. But I don't think we could do that because they were two separate films. Oh, dude, we can't. St- we can't. Know. We can't start bending the rules for Philip. I wish we could. Even though he's dead, we can't break the rules for him. We can't. Hey, hey, there's nothing wrong with being mesmerized forever. That's true. That's true. Well, yeah, I would would 100% um, 100 agree with you that. That's a no-brainer for me too, buddy. Right on. All right. Well, did you have anybody for anybody else? Uh, I got nothing else for you this week. What about you? No, that was it for me. You know what? I had a couple as I was... um, sort of thinking about things but then I lost it lost focus because there was too many other things to watch when I was doing nothing at home yeah, that's all right <laughs> more, more more for next week maybe we'll come up with a couple of good ones yeah especially if we're probably going to be seeing a lot of stuff next week um, indeed so right. uh, we're doing our special series this week so this week um, we're actually going to be talking about our favorite documentaries so um, I have to give a little bit of a preface here because um, we had differences of opinions on how we were going to do this. There's too many. Oh, we're going to talk about this on the air, are we? No, no, we're not going to talk about that on the air. Oh, but okay. I'm just going to say that that we 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 did specify these were not uh, not necessarily a specific genre. My my opinions and your opinions differed on certain things, but. Um, we're going to do a special series next week as well. So documentaries are going to carry over to another episode next week. Next week, we're going to do music documentaries and I am really looking forward to that. Yeah. So am I. I was actually looking forward to it this week, but that's story for another time. (laughs) That's right. Well, okay. So we should probably, we should, the question is then, should we make it just documentaries or should we also throw in there, actual live concert movies no no live concert oh, we want to make a separate one 
we'll make that a whole separate one later. Wow. I'm, I'm hoping still, let's not get to that. Um, let's yeah. hope that the, the movie theaters are open before we're, we're getting to that. <laughs> next week, it'll be music docs. Let's get on with this week. So this yeah, week, documentaries. So I All think right, you're well, going to start it off. I am going to start it off. Right so, on. Um, I am going to uh, give you my, I have five honorable mentions. Um, and then I have my top 10 list. And right. my number one is by far my favorite stock of all time. I'm going to follow the uh, exact same format, so lay them on me. This is great, so so we won't confuse our listeners. As we usually um, do. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we're, either we're confusing ourselves or the listeners, one of the two. Um, so my number five uh, on the bottom of my honorable mention list is Paradise Lost, uh, The Child Murders of Robin Hood Hills. It's in 1996. Evil Incarnate, uh, best courtroom doc I've I would say it's in, for courtroom docs. I think it's fantastic. Um, number four, which I know you're not going to be as big a fan of because you didn't love it as much as me, but mm-hmm. Hail Satan from 2019. <laughs> uh, and a nice surprise. I'm actually, I'm surprised it didn't make your top 10. Well, you wait to see my top 10. Um, right. so, uh, to me, it was a nice, a nice surprise for all uh, religious rights and equality. Uh, look up the seven tenets online of modern Satanism and tell me you do not want to convert. That's all I got to say on that one. Uh, number three, which I actually battled with myself whether or not I put this on there because I know it's very much a propaganda film, but to me, I love the propaganda of it. And I know there was a lot of staging that happened with this doc, but I really enjoyed it. It's Blackfish from 2013. Okay. Um, another great animal rights activist film. Uh, if, if it can, if a doc can have the power to change the minds of people, then to me, it's got to make a list somewhere, right? So, yeah. um, I I found it, it changed, like it's it's put SeaWorld uh, back to the Stone Ages for animal right, uh, animals, and it's given animal rights uh, a big push. Push. So I, I, I loved it. Um, number two uh, on the honorable mentions is One Child Nation, 2019, Dead Babies. Hard not to be shocked by this. So, yeah, um, no, it was excellent. Uh, it, it it moved me significantly. Uh, number one of my honorable mention was How to Survive a Plague from 2012. Uh, one of the better, uh, or best betterments of humanity films uh, through severe activism, which uh, which sometimes I guess it's needed, right? It was it was definitely needed for this. Uh, have, have you seen this one? I actually haven't. Yeah, so this is this is when uh, people were dying of AIDS, and um, the government wasn't doing anything about it. It's it's super powerful, Doc, and I think anybody who you know we talked a little bit about last week um, about the people with um, movement disabilities and and uh, with uh, that that we saw from from that Doc and how that moved things forward. This is, this movie is the same thing for people who have AIDS. So uh, it's a great it's a great Doc. Cool. Um, number 10 is Bowling for Columbine. Uh, Meryl Manson as a genius. Free guns from the bank and traumatizing Charlton Heston at his own house. Sign me up. Yeah. Michael Moore making, uh, <laughs> making in my mind his best movie. I agree with that. Uh, number nine, another animal rights um, movie, The Cove from 2009. The Cove this came movie, so close to making my top 10. <laughs> this movie could convert anyone to being an activist for animal rights and yes. saving the whales from the Japanese whalers. Ugh. I literally cried for hours watching, just watching this and even afterwards. It was At powerful. Point of this movie, I had to look away and uh, it, oh. it, the shit that you see in this movie is bad. It's it, just bad it, shit. It, it's a hard watch. There's no question, but it stays with you. Uh, number eight uh, is uh, the Redemption of General Butt Naked from 2011. It actually played at um, at Puff, South Underground Film Fest. Um, I'm not sure why anybody in Liberia has not murdered this guy yet. It's a musty, traumatic doc. This guy was such a dick and did so much damage to the people in Liberia. So. I don't believe I've seen it. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, it's it's damaging too. I like damaging movies. Although yes. this one, number seven, switches it up a bit. This is also probably not going to be too uh, too happy for my vegan friend here. But uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi from oh, 2011. Yeah. 
I know what the perfect sushi looks like, and I want to save my $300 and go to Japan and have it for lunch. Mm-hmm. Or in my retirement, spend eight years training properly to tenderize octopus with my hands. That's right. That's step one of the intern training program with Euro. <laughs> uh, number six is uh, Jesus Camp, 2006. Unfortunately, uh, this was um, just a little bit better than Hail Satan and made it into top ten. There you go. <laughs> So I'd say, I I'd say it's a lot play. better, but that's just me. I would, I would, uh, I would probably go back to a Pixie song when I when I say this monkey's gone to heaven. So. Mm. Uh, number five, Spellbound, two thousand and two. Love if you Spellbound. Thought spelling Bee would be boring. You're wrong. Dead wrong. Yes. Uh, I love movie my top five are are just movies i've watched multiple 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 times right on um uh, number four is birth of the living dead 2013 george romero started at 11 and it just went up from there this is all about the birth of zombies and which is my absolute favorite genre how how have i not how have i not watched this movie i don't know i own it you know once we can see each other face to face we'll watch it together that sounds excellent uh, number three, uh, from 1998. Can you guess what it might be? From 1998. That's my clue. A lot of movies yeah, came out in 98. Ni- not a lot of docs that were this good. Uh, the Thin Blue Line. Oh, okay. Yeah. A film that successfully argued that a man was wrongly convicted of murder uh, by a correct justice system. So before we had all that making a murder on Netflix, this was the precursor to all of that. This movie changed documentary filmmaking for life um number two free solo from 2018 ah free solo Uh, i'm actually going to be talking about that a little more not in my top 10 but uh, i agree it was excellent yeah uh alex uh professional climber who climbed oh captain sam best and most essential climbing movie with the most fucked up climber in the world this guy is mess in the head and the fact that he would he would attempt El Capitan without any rope. Oh, it was Isn't tense, insane. man. It was tense. Yeah, like, I mean, you kind of know he lives. Yeah. But I know I told everybody, like, but all you got to do oh. is go online and see it. But it's like, yeah, it's messed up. Like, And I still will watch this movie. Like, I'll, I'll watch it anytime I'm kind of feeling, you know, I don't feel motivated enough to do something today. I'll put free solo on and I'm, I'm back up to the game, man. Nice. Number one is The Crash Reel from 2013. Okay. I've seen this movie probably 20 times. It's another one of those movies. Uh, 15 years of uh, the right footage so the epic rivalry between half-type legends Sean White and Kevin Pierce, childhood friends who became number one and two in the world leading up to the Vancouver Winter Olympics, yep. pushing one another to eat um, even more dangerous tricks until Kevin crashes on a Park City half-pipe uh, barely surviving as Kevin recovers from his injuries. Sean wins gold. Yes. Now all Kevin wants to do is get on his snowboard again. So this movie, to me, like, you know, we, we've talked about my... I am not a big fan of sports movies. The best time in Lester, a doc that is, that is specific around it. This movie was about... This is a perfectly good example of when I was arguing with you guys the other week about, okay, well, tell me a movie that has... You know, isn't about snowboarding or isn't about basketball or isn't about whatever. This movie is not about not about uh, snowboarding at all. But the whole movie has snowboarding in it. This is about a family that comes together after a tragic incident. And the this, again, another one of those movies that if you're feeling sad about how your family is or if you feel that, um, you know, you, you don't have hope, this movie is a movie about hope. And I love this movie so much. But it was funny i couldn't get in to see everest uh back a few years ago when it first came out and so the globe cinemas at our at our local here in calgary was playing the crash well i said well i'll go see that instead yeah <laughs> it was the best decision i ever made yeah no it's, i liked it that's where i saw it too at the globe it's excellent yeah and, and the ever and everest didn't even make my top 15 so it, there you go there you go <laughs> nice 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 all right you are done, and I am up. So let's go with my honorable mentions first. 
Uh, we're going to start with Yodorovsky's Dune from 2013. Um, nice. what, what would Dune look like if Alejandro Yodorovsky was able to make his vision? I wish we were able to tell uh, to uh, answer that question. It would have been awesome. Yeah. Uh, I Ro- still have dreams of it. <laughs> it would be so good. Uh, Roger and Me from 1989. Uh, Michael Moore versus GM CEO Robert Roger B. Smith. Um, it's just entertaining. Really good first outing for Michael Moore. It is good, um, yeah. When We Were Kings from 1996 uh, documents the rumble in the jum- jungle in Zaire between heavyweight champion George Foreman and challenger Muhammad Ali. Um, just a really, really good documentary. Um, a lot of lot of old footage in there that uh, just, it's, it's crazy that it all still existed when it was, you know, uh, made like 20 years later. Um, yeah. 78 by 52 from 2017 documents the uh, 78 camera setups and 52 cuts involved with the filming of the shower scene from Psycho. I can't believe that the what I just described is such an entertaining doc, but oh my goodness, it's so good. Uh, and my... <laughs> I can't either. <laughs> yes. And uh, my other one is one that's from your top 10. It's known as Spellbound from 2002. Follows, nice. follows eight teenagers as they attempt to win the 1999 National Spelling Bee. Um, really so good for all the reasons you said and more. Uh, now for my top 10. At number 10, we're going with... Going Clear, Scientology and the Prison of Belief from 2015. Um, the Church yeah, of Scientology's yeah. inner workings, especially the story of the galactic ruler Xenu, uh, will blow your mind. Uh, number nine. <laughs> bully Can I pause this for a second? Yeah, go ahead, my friend. Yep. I'm going to say, so you're going to convert to Scientology and I'm going to convert to modern Satanism. <laughs> I'm, co- oh, I'm not converting anybody to Scientology. <laughs> that ain't happening, my friend. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So sorry, I can go back to your number nine. Number nine is is a familiar one because we've talked about it. Bowling for Columbine from two thousand two. Nice. Gun violence in Yankee Land, examined by Michael Moore and done very, very well. Uh, number eight is Honeyland, which I saw at the, the Calgary International Film Festival this past year. Um Beekeeping in trying times in the Republic of North Macedonia. Uh, really, really good doc. Really worth checking out. Number seven, for no good reason, from 2012. A profile of gonzo artist Ralph Stedman. Uh, really, really good stuff. Um, I, I just really enjoy watching this doc. I've probably watched it eh, two or three times. Uh, number six is another one that I saw last year, and for some reason, it, I know I saw it at a film festival in Calgary, and I'm not sure which. I apologize. It was either at the Underground Film Festival or it was at the International Film Festival. I am not sure, but apparently well, it, was, it, it was it was it was it was underground. I've just it's just been confirmed. Uh, it's called Midnight Family, um, about private ambulances in Mexico City. Uh, Mexico. Oh, so yeah. Try that again in Mexico City. Um, it's disturbing and heartbreaking, and it's it's really, really, really good. Uh, number five, I just saw recently because uh, someone said I should wa- watch it because it's got a lot of walking around in it. I am sticking <laughs> I am sticking the world before your feet from 2018 uh, into my top five. Uh, Matt, boy. Matt Green walks every street, pathway, and cemetery in New York City. That is a lot of walking. That is awesome. Uh, my, my number four is Crumb from 1994, an in-depth look into the home life of underground artist Robert Crumb. Um, when you see the people in Crumb's life, it's amazing that he comes off as the most normal. Uh, <laughs> number three, I'm cheating a little bit with number three because I'm sticking okay. I'm sticking two documentaries into number three because they are act. I find that they're companion pieces to to each other. Um, directed by the same dude. Uh, number three is The Act of Killing from 2012 and The Look of Silence from 2014. Um, both these movies are directed by Joshua Oppenheimer. And I've combined yeah. these as one entry because if you watch one of them, you have to watch the other as well. Um, yeah. in, in The Act of Killing, Oppenheimer gets former Indonesian death squad leaders to reenact the atrocities that resulted in a million dead back in 1965 and 1966. Um, then in the look of silence, he focuses more on the victims 
and the fact that they have now that they now have to live next to door to people who literally killed their families. Um, this is heartbreaking and sometimes hard to watch, but I think it's 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 absolutely essential viewing. Um, yeah, I agree, yeah. man. Those are both good. Yeah. Uh, number two, let's uh, get back a little lighter here. <laughs> number two would be King of Kong, a fistful of quarters from 2007. Um, I would say for me, this is the most entertaining documentary that I've ever seen. Um, it's a snapshot of two rivals who are both trying to achieve the world record score on Donkey Kong. I was, genu- <laughs> I was genuinely rooting for Steve Wiebe, the hero of this story. As he was trying to take the record away from Billy Mitchell, who is definitely the villain in this story. Um, this movie, the this movie is an emotional roller coaster. As you'll feel anger, laughter, sadness, uh, defeat, and triumph. Overall, it's very fun and satisfying. Ninety minutes. I uh, love this movie. And yeah, my and my number one documentary. And I kind of. I kind of wrestled with myself a little on this one, but I'm going to say it's number one for the reasons I'm about to say. My number one documentary right. is Cowspiracy, the sustainability oh. secret from 2014. Um, That's great, Yeah, this movie is my number is the number one documentary on my list only because it changed my life more than any other doc. It caused me to seek out more information about both sides of an argument like no other film had ever done before. I spent weeks reading studies and then researching who made these studies and what would they have uh, and who actually benefited from the results of these studies. And I was trying to make every argument both ways. And in the end, this film led me down the road that changed my life forever as I am now vegan and it can be tracked down or it can be traced back to me watching this movie. Um, it made me look at my role on this planet, both ethically and environmentally. Plus, I just feel better physically since making the choice uh, to avoid the animal products in my diet. Um, that is why it's my number one, because it it literally changed my life. So how can it not be my yeah. number one? Yeah. If you picked anything else, let's say you're uh, something. There you I go. Let's say you're a dumbass. I don't know. Fair yeah, enough. No, I, and it's funny. I love that stuff, too. So interestingly, like documentaries is actually one of my favorite genres i watch a ton of docs absolutely and i know i don't know about you but it was tough to get down to oh i had i had a list of like 40 and i was just and i could have probably gone on but i was like you know what these are the ones that popped into my head first um so these got to be the ones um so we we narrowed it down from there but oh man yeah no there's so many good documentaries yeah and you know what the the thing is um you know what? I think I'm happy that places like Netflix and Prime are really doing these things. Like right now, although it's not a movie, so I'm not going to really talk about it, is the Tiger King, right? Like this thing is this thing is blowing up. And what is it? It's a documentary series. So people are getting interested in these real life things. I mean, if you don't want to talk with, about, don't talk with cats. But what this is going to do, I'm hoping, is push documentaries back into the forefront. So that you know they get more uh, showings at the theaters, right? Like if if, if people knew, if, if the talk of that people are getting from say the the Tiger King now was because it was in one movie and people yes. talked about it, people would, more people would go to the theaters to see it, and then we'd have more documentaries making great documentaries. So films, so right? you're so. you're you're stepping on my rage right now, Jim. So just uh, you know be quiet. Well, let's, or let's I'm just, warming you up. Well, maybe rage. maybe I'm you're warming maybe you're rage. warming me up. Maybe you're warming me up. But, uh, Did you want to take your rage first? Since I nah, you know what nicely into that. Nah, take yours first, just because I got to operate all these silly buttons in front of me. So, <laughs> on, boy. all right. Well, on, docs for this week. On that note, yeah, that's uh, what's that? So that's our docs for this. That's week, our so, docs uh, for this week. So on that, uh, let's uh, get on with it. All right. Vision blurring. Rage. Taking over temperature rise. <laughs> I hit it twice. Out of boy. Thank uh, God your technical skills are I am so good. Skills. Oh man. You are. You're the best ever. Uh, so my rage this week, and it's not a super hard rage. It's just um, because I've been, and I mentioned earlier that I've been a big screener for film festivals for many years. And one of the things that I would notice about certain years that there would be like a theme that would come out. And it's not always necessarily driven directly at 
um, specifically at uh, a certain culture or at a certain thing, but certain things will happen in the world. Like, I'll give you an example. And again, nothing that just makes me so angry, but it, it kind of, as a screener, when you're watching, you're sitting down and watching three or 400 docs, and of those 300 documentaries, they're usually documentary shorts, by the way. Now, I'm not watching 300 documentaries in, in a short period of time for a film festival, but, and, and that if you're watching either 300 or 400 uh, shorts, and the theme is all, a, lo- a large percentage of the theme is directed in one direction. It's almost like you can see it's kind of a leading indicator of what's coming in our society because it shows. So you know, there's been times where every single person has got um, these point of view killings, right? It's kind of like it's just become a fad and now point of view killings is where it's all going. I remember quite a few years ago before the Me Too movement, there was a lot of films that had come through uh, the festival circuit about um, women being raped. And it was like, by about the seventh one, I'm kind of like, I don't really want to watch another movie about, like, how do you, I don't even know how you would judge that. I, you know, how do you prefer this movie about rape to this movie about rape? It's, the movie itself is uncomfortable to watch. So it, it's one of those things that, um, you know, the, from a theme perspective, I understand how that happens, but it's always surprising to see it when it makes it into a festival. And I think, so my rage is kind of, that was a bit of a long intro to my rage, but the focus of, of it is, you know, when you're doing a, a festival, film festival, and not saying that it, that South by Southwest did this in any way, shape or form, but if, if you're, if you have a theme that sort of subtext is underneath all of the films, it can, you can sort of go, Hey, wait a minute. I can see that there's a subtext here. Uh, so I, I obviously don't want to make any commentary specific around South by Southwest. I hope people get to go and watch that festival. But what I what I would guess I would say is when when filmmakers are, are making obviously they don't know what other filmmakers are. So I just find it interesting when a certain scene gets into like obviously the, the people that are making the decisions for the film festival and it's not not like I said, I'm not pointing out South by Southwest. I've seen it in other festivals and you kinda go you go to the festival and you're like, Wow, that was a lot of movies about carrots this year. What was that all about? Or you know, there's um here the movie is like, Okay, was there not enough good movies to put into um, the festival that you didn't have to have say five movies with a similar plot where there's like a serial killer it's kind of like okay who doesn't love serial killer movies I get it but was there not enough content coming from the rest of the world that we couldn't get more diversity into um, into the festival so that's it's kind of maybe I'm saying I'm hoping that the festival I'm not sure if all the festivals uh, producers listen to our podcast. I wish they did, but um, I, I hope that they will have a better lens. Uh, when I go see a festival, and I know uh, one of the things that Calgary Underground Film Fest does for their documentary festival, every single doc that they do is almost from a different scene. Like they really do have a really good balance for that. Um, I'm all for variety. So, yeah, right? I mean, who, who wants to go see five of the same plot of the movies, right? Nobody. So that's my rage. I don't know if you want to jump on the bandwagon, give your two cents. No, as I say, the only thing I have to say about that is, yeah, I mean, every festival should have a variety to it. Um, I agree that when you kind of beat the same drum over and over again, um, sometimes the, the message gets drowned out. Um, so uh, there's no reason to really focus on one thing at a festival um it's great if you take the best films that's what you want to do um sometimes it seems like i agree with you that sometimes theme takes over um but yeah no every festival should be coming from all sorts of different uh, perspectives and uh variety is always a welcome thing so i'm with you on that very cool all right well what do you got this week all right sir what do i got this week i said you said that I kind of had. Um, yeah, you touched upon it. Your thunder. A little bit. A little bit. Without even knowing. You did indeed, but uh, my rage this week is there are so many great documentaries that come out every year, yet so few of them get a widespread release. Um, it is t- <laughs> so yeah. Basically, what you were you know spewing off about at the end of our little section there. 
Um, it is time for the producers of Docs to get them into more theaters and put some money into more advertising. Um, with the budget of most Docs a fraction of the cost of a major studio's narrative release, why not capitalize on that and make more bang for your buck? Um, why can't more documentary filmmakers get the Michael Moore treatment and get some money pushing their product after shooting is wrapped up? Um, there are many examples of documentaries making some pretty good coin despite no advertising. Um, let's take, well, I'm going to take one. Uh, let's take a recent, <laughs> let's take a recent a example. Recent one that is. Yeah. <laughs> least recent example that you happen to talk about just recently there, Jim free solo yeah. from 2018, which is, nice. which by the way is excellent and worth checking out. It had little to no advertising that I ever saw yet. It made almost $29 million at the box office. Ooh. Twenty-nine million dollars. Did you see an ad for it? No. No, me neither. So you know, imagine what it would have. Imagine what it would have done with more places to see it, combined with more advertising. Let's start treating Docs as a serious money-making endeavor and get them into more theaters, please. You know, another example would be Inconvenient Truth. It got a little bit push behind it, and that sucker made uh, I don't even know hundreds of millions of dollars. A crap load of money. Exactly. And it wasn't as good as Free Solo, <laughs> to be honest. So No, it was know, not. So that is my rage for the week, my friend. What say you? Yeah, well, you saw I kind of had alluded to that, right? It's, yeah. Um, I, I don't think that... Uh, I, I think they both kind of come from a different place, though, right? Like, documentaries is usually somebody's passion for a certain endeavor... Right, and we talked about like that on some of our top ten, right? Like, um, for example, me, the, the Cove, right? That movie got made because that guy had a passion to stop the freaking Japanese from killing all these whales in this one village. Yeah, but um, and once so, once these films get picked up by, you know, uh, they yeah, there's no reason why we can't put some money behind it and get and get these uh, things on more screens. So that's that's all I'm getting at. Yeah, well, I think it's almost proven. That um, you know uh, things like I said, the the Tiger King yep. is on everybody's mouth. Yeah, right. There's there's uh, there's definitely you know, an appetite for this type of stuff. There's no question. Just so you know, the Inconvenient Truth worldwide made almost fifty million. Fifty million? Okay, I thought it made over a hundred, but whatevs. Yeah, well, maybe off. That was just in the theaters, though. That's just the theaters. So I'm sure afterwards, it's done a lot more. Oh yeah. Right? But yeah, but. Uh, even at that, uh, fifty million's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, I'm sure it didn't cost him that much to make it. Nope. But yeah, I 100 percent agree. I think you know this. But you know what? I think the the thing is, they have to make topics that the, the world wants to know about, or things that's going to make you slap you upside the head, right? Now, I don't know why the Tiger King does. People just, I think people are shocked about it because they don't believe that this is actually a real thing that's yeah. happening. <laughs> I do know what you're saying so it looks like we are in pretty much agreement on that rage so with that said double double agreement double agreement how often does that happen not always no not always but whatevs so I see that's what you get when uh, when I'm running the board here rage All right, sir. So, All right. let's, well, let's get on to... Rage or Dare. Rage or Dare. Yeah, so last week, you you were the, one of the first to pick Dare, I think. Unless we did it right in our very first episode. I think nope. we got Dare to see some of the theaters. No, we've been plucking from the bag every week. This was the first there you go. Dare so you last week. You were the first, first brave man to pick Dare. And I, I dared you to see another video game movie turned movie or video game turned movie you did tell me everything you thought about my good friend pikachu the detective i don't know that if it's pikachu but pokemon's not like a, a video game first though was it i don't even know didn't it wasn't it like a i don't know card thing card game maybe i don't know there's a tv show so i don't maybe i don't know yeah it was like a collector's <laughs> card game but uh, yeah, then it morphed into a whole bunch of stuff because it got pretty popular, I hear. 
I, peep, I, yeah. I hear people like the Pokemon. <laughs> now tell us what you thought about the movie. All right. I hate to tell you, Jim, but I'm going to have to oh apologize to you in advance. Sorry, Jim, but Pokemon Detective Pikachu was all right. It made oh my God, me, you were insane. It made me smile quite a bit, and a few times I even laughed out loud. I mean, when Pikachu said, case closed, but still open until I solve it. That was hilarious. That was funny stuff. I'm going to be honest. If, if I had a kid and this was the quality of entertainment that was being produced as family fair, I'd be all right with that. Once again, I apologize, but no rage here, my friend. This was a man. Uh, you're, you're insane. Cause I had to see that in the theaters and I literally could not stand Five minutes of the footage. It was a couple of funny parts. Absolutely, you can't you can't avoid a movie for an hour and a half and not make you laugh a couple of times. But yeah. the hey. dialogue was brutal. The direction was awful. Hey man, the script but was even worse. It opened up with Cubone. It had the, the the little the little Pokemon dude with the with the bones on his head. That was good stuff. He was hilarious. Loved that little guy. <laughs> How often do you hang out with Pokemon? I, I've never hung out with Pokemon, but now the I'm thinking maybe I should. Oh, my God. I liked well, it. Well, I'm glad you loved it. I didn't love it, but it was all right. It was fine. Sometimes you get, sometimes you get a gift. This is, this is literally <laughs> the, first, the first time that the, we didn't rage over our challenge. So it had to happen, well, I suppose. I guess. I mean, <laughs> of course it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You... you uh, you were dared by me, and I hated it. So there's yes. times where you've liked things and I've hated it, and vice versa. So yeah. I'm hoping that the same goes this week, because this week it's my turn to watch one of your shitbags movies. It is indeed. <laughs> so on that <laughs> note, my friend, this, go I ahead. I'm gonna do. I think I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you dare me to see a film. Then we're going dare, are we? We're going to go there. Let's go double, double there. All right. Double well, there. I'm going to guess that you maybe saw this coming at some point. Because how could you hey, not? I've already got I've already got the worst movies out of the way. Whatever you give me is going to be better than Top Gun, buddy. And it's going to be better than uh, Xanadu. And it's going to be better than Breeze 2. So whatever you give me, I am not afraid. Are you ready, Jim? I'm ready. Are you ready for a little vanilla ice? I love Vanilla Ice. I can't wait to hear what this is going to be. Cool as ice, my friend. You are watching Cool as Ice. That is your dare. Is it a documentary? No, it is not. <laughs> but I you can't. I believe you was. can watch it on Amazon, so you don't have to look uh, too far for it. I sure hope so. I don't want to pay for any pay this, pay for this. Okay, here it is. A rap-oriented remake of The Wild One. You got it. The heavy emphasis on the fact that Vanilla Ice has assumed the Marlon Brando role. I'm already excited to see this. All right, well, <laughs> you'll have to let me know how it is next week because I am excited to have you see this. Now, you've actually <laughs> just dreamt it up after knowing that Vanilla Ice is in a movie. <laughs> I... I have. I, I'm embarrassed to say I actually did see this. And you is this are, when you were in your rap days as a child. It was. It is. I didn't go to it on my own. So we'll just leave it at that. Having said that, <laughs> you're in for a treat, my friend. I can't wait. I can't nice. wait. <laughs> All right. And why am I getting stuck with? Is he singing it at least? <laughs> What's that? Does he sing in it at all? Is there oh, like yeah. a hammer time moment in this? I believe so. I saw it so long ago, but I want to say yes. You know Miami Campbell's in this. Yeah, yeah. I know. I looked at the cast. <laughs> so I guess you got that uh, going for it. Yeah, well, and it's directed by a pretty bad director, too. Uh, so David, David Kellogg, uh, who hasn't done a lot of good stuff. I tell you. I wish you all kinds of luck. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll stand by for next week to see what I think of uh, Vanilla Ice and Cold as Ice. All right. So, with all that being said, 
it's uh it's that time my friend unfortunately oh i'm so sad we had the time together well thanks ragers for listening uh thanks to the extended film rage crew of marie who's on sabbatical uh stephanie deroy for social media currently on leave from work stuff uh leonard conlon for her statistic vision and photography leonard leonard conlon photography uh listen to us on podbean apple Podcasts, google play and spotify please follow us on facebook instagram and twitter and on our youtube channel if you prefer to listen on youtube we are always wanting your feedback so please give us lots of feedback so we can make this a raging blast for all listeners please make us rage please please that's it for this week Rage on. Rage on.